The last day of 2023. What a crazy year it has been. Amen? You know, I was thinking about what was I doing one year ago today? Well, um, I was actually in shock, to be honest, because on December the 28th, you know, while everybody's on vacation, you know, like we are right now, kind of everything's kind of in transition. A lot of businesses are closed. People are traveling. Well, on December the 28th, the bishop announced that she was putting a pause on all disaffiliations, so, which basically meant it wasn't a pause. It was basically all these 200 churches that are trying, have been working this process, have been following the rules that they laid out, they're shutting it down, not going to happen. And um, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Nobody knew what to do. And we couldn't even really gather together and talk about it because everybody was on, it was Christmas. We were trying to praise the Lord and celebrate the birth of Christ. Man, but um, what a difference a year has made, right? Um, we didn't know what to do, but the Lord knew what to do. The Lord had a plan all along. And if you haven't seen the Lord's hand moving through this situation, you haven't been paying attention because... Things have just happened. Doors that seemed like they were closed and shut and locked, he has opened and um, has brought us to where we are today. Um, but a crazy year. And the Lord's been in control of it all, and he's going to be in control. That's who he is. But the message I want to preach today, I think it's a good message for this season uh, in our lives, both at, for the New Year season and the season of where we are as a church, so. But, you know, I sort of need to confess something. You see, I, uh, I've always felt like I trusted God, but this year has taught me that I need to trust Him even more. I need to learn more. You see, 23 years ago, when I answered the call to ministry, I thought I'd really done something Big. I really stretched my faith. I walked away from a promising career as an engineer to follow Jesus. I graduated when I was 23, graduated from college, started a career as a textile engineer, actually interviewed at Shaw out of college, didn't get the job, so didn't move to Dalton then, but I got a job in Griffin, started working. Uh, but then God called me to be a preacher. And so as I started my career as an engineer, I knew God was calling me in a different direction. And, and so after three years, just three years into my career, I stepped out in faith and I became a United Methodist minister. And I thought my wife might leave me. <laughs> because... We had never talked about ministry as being part of our plans. She married a guy that was straight-laced, dependable, was going to have a good career that could support a family, something she could depend on. And, um, and then God was calling me to go into this field where my salary was going to be cut, <laughs> and I was going to have to go back to school, and they were going to move me 
around. They were going to move not just me, but my whole family from town to town. But as scary as it was, when I look back on it, I realize, you know, there's actually a lot of security when you're a United Methodist pastor. I never really thought of it that way, but I noticed over the years, I've got colleagues and friends that serve in Baptist churches, and you know, in the Baptist church, they can just fire you. Or they can say, we don't want you anymore, and, they, uh, and you could be out of the job as a Baptist minister. But in the United Methodist Church, there was a thing called a guaranteed appointment. So that even if you, uh, you know, if you, you had to leave one church, the United Methodist Church, the United Methodist denomination would find you another one. So you'd always have a job, and you have a pension and insurance. and So there's a lot of job security there. Now, I never took anything for granted. I never did for the entire two decades that I've been in ministry. Ephesians 6, 7, it's always been at the forefront of my mind, which says, work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord, not for people. And so everywhere I've gone and everything I've done, I've always tried to think about that. I don't mean, don't take this the wrong way, but I always thought to myself, you know what? I don't work for you. I work for God. Okay? It's not that I... I'm still going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do a better job for the people I serve because I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for the Lord. That makes sense. So I always try to do my best. And for me, I always thought of the United Methodist Church as sort of being a partner, an ally. They were the ones who, who, uh, vetted me and authorized me, ordained me to serve. But for me, my calling was to help people grow closer to Christ. And as long as the UMC could help me do that, then that was was what I wanted to do. But I always thought that if the, if the, the UMC ever departed from traditional scriptural Christianity, then that would be the time that I would depart. Because I, my calling is to, to, teach the Word of God and to teach and, and lead people to follow Christ as the Scriptures proclaim. And so as I've seen the UMC splitting farther from that, you try to stretch as much as you can, but at a certain point you realize it's time to part. And that time has come. And so as I've reflected on this, I've realized, you know, I'm, I'm in a sense, I'm walking away from a second career at this moment in my life. As of tomorrow, I will no longer be a United Methodist minister. I will be a global Methodist minister. And I've had to trust the Lord in this because I'm walking away from something that I've known, something that took me nine years of my life to jump through all of the hoops and get all of the certifications and and to be a part of. I'm walking away from some colleagues that will be remaining United Methodist. And um, we won't be in the same Christian denominational family anymore. Walking away from what I've known and loved and committed myself to for two decades. Into what? Into something that looks exciting and I believe in, in the global Methodist church, but it's, a, it's an unproven denomination. 
with less job security. And we don't know where it's going. I don't know where it's going. I think it's going in the right direction, but we shall see, right? But I know, I know, I know, I know that this is where God is calling me. And I trust him. He has never failed me yet, and he won't fail me now. I am his servant, and, it, and I am privileged to serve him and to go wherever he leads. I want to read to you one of my favorite passages from God's holy word. It's something that has encouraged me my whole life as a Christian, and it's something that I think will encourage you, and it's right for this time of the year. And it's right in the middle of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, which we've been studying. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've tried to make verse 33 the theme of my whole ministry. In the old King James Version, it goes, Seek Ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you as well. And if you think about it, that's really the whole theme throughout the Bible from beginning to end. You go all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis, and what do you find? Here's Adam and Eve living in paradise. And God is giving them everything that they need. They don't have to worry about food. They don't have to worry about shelter or any of that. God takes care of them. And they have food. They have peace. They have protection. They're naked, and they don't even care. They're totally at peace. They don't feel ashamed. They don't feel vulnerable. And that's kind of big if you think about it. Okay? Think about it. There's lions and tigers and bears running around, and they don't have a scrap of clothing on them. No gun, no knife, no bear spray, but they are not even, they doesn't even cross their mind that this could be dangerous. You know, I imagine them walking up and petting little tiger like, like you would pet your little cat at home. 
They are just totally vulnerable and exposed, but they feel absolutely no problem with it because God was taking care of them. They're at peace. We talked about that in Sunday school. What is peace? And, 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 and uh, Kyle said, it's when you're Jesus, asleep on the boat while there's a storm raging. That's good. But I'm thinking too, you're, you, what is peace? It's when you're absolutely naked and you're petting a tiger and it's just fine. And that's the way we're meant to live. It's a life where God provides everything we need, just like he cares for the birds in the sky and the flowers of the field. And man, wouldn't it be great to go back to a life where we live like that, to the Garden of Eden, where there is no care in the world, where we walk around in harmony with each other and with God. But then sin comes into the picture. Sin comes in and it wrecks it all. It wrecks you and it wrecks me. And the curse of sin is that we have to scrape a living now. We have to scrape a living out of the dust of the earth. And, and the curse says you got to constantly be trying to earn a living and yet the ground is full of thorns and thistles. Have you ever have any thorns and thistles in your life? at work or in your family. Maybe you've been gathered around with your family and you're supposed to be so happy, but then somebody's got a, all these thorns all over them. And every time you try to talk to them, it, you know, it sticks, it, it pokes you and it hurts. And the curse of sin is always meant, as it puts it in Genesis, by the sweat of your brow, you will have your food to eat. And I always thought that that meant you're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to work hard and it's going to be hard work and you're going to be sweating all the time because, you know, the, especially in the Bible, they're, they're farming and that's hard work. And I thought that's what it meant, but that's not what it really means. You can actually go back and look at ancient text, even outside of the Bible. They had an expression about the sweat of your brow. It was about anxiety. It's not about hard work. See, like, you know, one of my hobbies, you know, is, is uh, over the last couple of years, gardening. I love getting out there in the garden and working hard. You know, after a stressful day working in the church office, it's great to go out and work in the garden and sweat. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But what it's talking about is this idea when you feel like whether you're going to have food to eat on the table that night, it's all up to you. You got to do it. You got to make it happen. You got to get out there and work hard, whether you're a farmer or you're a teacher or you're working in the hospital. You got to make it happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's going to fall. It's going to be your fault. You ever felt like that? Felt like that? You ever not been able to sleep at night? Because, or woke up in the middle of the night with anxiety because you're like, oh, I didn't do this, or I didn't do that, or what if this happens, or what if that happens? Have you ever literally broke out with sweat on your forehead as you worried? That's the sweat of your brow. That's the curse from the Garden of Eden. It's this feeling like 
it depends on me. If, it, if I don't do it, my family's going to go hungry or something that really in, is really important to me is going to fall apart. But the curse that makes us so anxious, that's what Jesus came to, to wipe away, to banish. Jesus came to break the curse. And that's what it's all about. He is our redeemer. He's the one that sets us free, that liberates us. He redeems us from our sin and he, he heals our lives his life, death, and resurrection mean that we no longer have to drown in the sweaty, anxious drops of our worrying about everything, worrying whether we'll have enough food, whether we'll have clothes. In the words of one of my favorite Christmas songs, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Joy to the world. We have been liberated from this anxiety. We don't have to feel ashamed. We don't have to feel naked because of sin. We don't have to fear death because Jesus gives us new life, eternal life. And so Jesus invites us, as he says in the 11th chapter of Matthew, come to me, you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give is light. Jesus is leading us back to Eden, back to a life in paradise where you don't have to worry about where your next meal is going to come from or if you will have a job in the morning or if uh, some corrupt denomination is going to seize your church property and assets. He's leading us back to the place where we become so used to knowing that God's going to take care of it all that we don't even, we don't even think about the fact that we're naked and we're petting a tiger. <laughs> or there's a storm all around and we're just sleeping away. Sleeping away. Not worrying about whether there's a tornado watch or a, a tornado warning. And, and waking up in the middle of the night thinking, all right, if it's a warning, that means, you know, I need to actually get up and go to the basement, right? If it's a watch, I mean to be on alert. No, wait, is it the other way around, right? Have you ever done that? Wouldn't it be great just to be able to be like, oh, cool, tornado's coming through. Don't have to worry about it. God's got this. That's the kind of peace Jesus is leading us to where God's got it and we don't even have to worry about it. We're not there yet, all right? We're still walking through some wilderness territory in our lives. We're not in the garden yet. But we will get there. And in the meantime, God is leading us. Like he led the Israelites through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. He provided manna for them. So they, they had food to eat. He provided water from a rock. 
so they had something to drink. We don't have to understand everything about what's happening, but we have to have faith. We have to trust Christ. We have to trust Jesus when he says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about all these things. Your heavenly father already knows what you need and he will take care of you. You believe that? You believe Jesus when he says that? And so we come to my favorite verse in the passage. It's the theme verse for my ministry. Tells the secret of living as a Christian who follows Christ. Matthew 6.33 Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. If you're seeking the kingdom, his kingdom, and living righteously, he's going to take care of everything. Now, if you're seeking something else, seeking what you want, your own selfish ambition, well, that's a different story. Yeah, now you're on your own. You're walking on your own. But if you are doing what Christ has called you to do, if you're going where God is leading you, He's going to make sure you have what you need. Well, um, when, when Grace was a toddler, we went, we went down to the Macon Mall. And uh, Kelly's cousin, Jennifer, worked at the Macon Mall at JCPenney. So we were there shopping, but we stopped in at the counter and we're talking to Jennifer. And you know how it is? Do you remember what it's like when you have little kids and you go on a shopping trip and you've got to constantly hold their hand and try to keep up with them because they'll wander off if you're not careful? Well, we were talking to Jennifer and we, we lost our focus, our attention, just for a moment, long enough for little four-year-old Grace to wander off. And you look down, and she's not there in the middle of a department store. You ever had that happen? (laughs) You know what that feels like? Well, you know, at first you're thinking, you know, your anxiety kind of raises a little bit, but she's probably right there. So you look right there, and she's not right there. And your anxiety goes up a little more, and you start looking a little farther and your search circle starts widening and widening and you're not finding her and you're getting really worried and now your mind is starting to think things like oh my goodness did somebody snatch her you know what she kidnapped what what you know your anxiety the sweat starting to pop out on your forehead well we drop everything and we start searching all over the department store for her and we find her in the corner, she's crawled under one of the racks of clothing and she's hiding, doing what little kids do. And we found her, thank, thank God we found her. And everything was okay. But if you think about the way you, we searched for Abigail, I mean not Abigail, for Grace, then um, the, the, how we dropped everything and went searching for her. That's an illustration of what what we're supposed to do when it comes to the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else 
Are you searching for the kingdom like that, though? I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. And I want you to think about that one thing in your life that's really important to you. It's okay not to say Jesus. I know Jesus is the answer for everything when you're at church, right? But think about what is something that's really important to you? Something that, you know, it might be your cell phone. (laughs) I mean, how many of you went on a trip out of town and you got about an hour out and then you realized you left your phone at home? How many of you went around, turned around, went a whole hour back to pick up your phone, right? Okay, so close your eyes and think about that thing that you would stop and go back to get. Whatever that thing is for you. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your spouse, your mom, your dad, whatever it is. I want you to think about how you would feel if that thing was missing. And I want you to make a mental image of that thing. And think about the lengths that you would go to find it if it was lost. Just think about that thing for a minute. Now, from now on, every time you see that thing or even think of it, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let it remind you that Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And all these things will be added to you as well. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for this year. Thank you for all that you have taught us. All of the blessings you poured out on us. All the struggles that we have walked through. All of the victories that you have won for us. As we stand at the edge of the next year. Help us to trust you more. Help us not to worry Help us to let go of that anxiety. Help us to focus on your kingdom and to seek it and to live righteously and to trust that you'll take care of everything else. Even if it seems like there's a storm ripping through our world, you're going to be there and you're going to use that storm to do something beautiful. Help our faith to be in that above all else as we seek your kingdom. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who is not seeking your kingdom, but is still chasing after their own selfish ambition. Lord, convict us. We could turn to you today. That, tr- that Christ would truly be our Lord so that we can have salvation. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.